Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Man, I'm just excited today. You know? Because God, God absolutely is still in the life-changing business. And I think sometimes when we're in the midst of everything going on in our world, we start to think, man, where are you, God? What's going on? Why don't I see you moving? Well, folks, he's moving. He's still working. He's still the same God, and he still does the same stuff. And he still changes people's hearts. You know, as an Assemblies of God church, we celebrate two ordinances within our corporate worship setting, Holy Communion and Water Baptism. And we call them ordinances because they are religious practices or rituals that were specifically ordained by Christ himself. We practice and celebrate communion and water baptism because Jesus told us to do so. And these are important practices. And even though they are, are not salvation themselves, our salvation isn't dependent on either one of them. They are not optional for a believer either. We're supposed to practice them. So this morning, before we celebrate the lives changed through salvation, and that same salvation is declared publicly through the ordinance of baptism, I want to answer four common questions regarding it, just to help people understand why we do what we do. What is the act of baptism? That's question number one. The word baptism, as you see it used in Scripture, is translated from the word baptisma, which is the process of immersion, submersion, or emer- and emergence. So baptisma means, that's a Greek word, that's what the word of God was originally written in. So if you go back and you look at the actual definition of the actual word, this is where this comes from. But but baptisma means to be immersed completely and then emerge up out of what you were immersed in. Okay, very important. The word baptisma comes from the word bapto, that's the, the root word, bapto. Everybody say bapto. Look at your neighbor and say bapto. Do it again, just because it's fun to say, baptu. All right. <laughs> Which literally means to dip. These are, again, Greek words that have specific meanings. And one of the confusing things is, is that there are different denominations of Christian churches that use different methods of baptizing. So the obvious question is, how do we know which method is right? And it's important that we look to the Word of God in these areas and develop our theology around the Bible as our source of truth. It's very easy to follow religious traditions that have become skewed over time. Traditions can be biblically based, not you know, downplaying all traditions, but, but we must always take things back to his word. That must be our source. And let me give you a bit of an illustration. Suppose that a Bible were dropped on an island which had never been touched by a missionary or any part of civilization, and that, and that the natives were able to read and understand this Bible. And that some of them were actually converted by reading it and therefore desired to follow the will of God. A careful reading of the New Testament would show that believers were to be baptized. But they have never seen anyone baptized, so they must learn from the Bible alone. How is it supposed to be done? This is what they would discover. That this ordinance requires water. Acts 8.36 says this, As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Hello? (laughs) Oh, for a second there, I thought the Lord was calling. (laughs) 
Number two, the baptism requires much water. It requires water, but it requires much water. John 3, 23, John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there. Everybody say, much water. And people were coming and were being baptized. And I know it takes a lot of water to baptize. I've told you this story before, but I once, when I was um, a little thinner, a, a lot thinner, I, I was a buck 50 back then, and I baptized, I'm not gonna tell you what I am now, but it's more than a buck 50. And I, I, was, I was baptizing, one of the first people I baptized, it was in Brookings, South Dakota, and we had this baptismal tank, and it was, it was, it was a nice, nice place to baptize people, whatever, and we had this guy, um, they, they nicknamed him Tiny. He was anything but. And I, I'm telling you, he was probably 6'8 and 400 pounds. And he was a big dude. And I'm, I'm standing there looking at him, and I'm going to baptize him, right? To baptize Tiny took much water. All right? And when he, just, just to finish the story, when he, you're supposed to bend your knees and kind of go back when we, the way we do it so that we can get you down all the way, immerse, and then emerge up out of, Right? Well, he didn't bend his knees. He just tipped over like a tree being chopped down, and all the water went out the back of the baptismal. It's just like a tidal wave. They had to get a ladder to get me out of the chandelier above. I was washed up there. <laughs> Not really. It requires much water, though, and that should tell us something about baptism. That it, could it be that they needed more than just enough to sprinkle? They needed to go all the way in. Baptism requires much water. Number three, that baptism requires the administrator of the baptism and the candidate who's getting baptized to go down into the water. Acts 8.38 says this, and he ordered the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. Number four, baptism requires a burial in water. So all the way under, not just to stand in it, waist high, but to go all the way in. Romans 6, 4 says, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Requires a burial in water. Colossians 2, 12 says this, having been buried with him in baptism. See the language used? In which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God. Who raised him from the dead. And number five, that baptism requires a coming up out of the water, that emergence that I talked about earlier. Acts 8, 39, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. So if suddenly Pastor Donnie, or I'm sorry, Pastor Jared, or Pastor Amelia, as they're baptizing this morning, are suddenly snatched away, I mean, we're just going to have to deal with that. But that's what happened in the New Testament to Philip. Interesting thing. Also read Matthew 3.16. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and, light, and, and lighting on him. So that is, A, what is the act of baptism? Two, another question that would be, would be asked is, what, what is the significance or symbolism of baptism? Baptism is simply a picture of the death burial, and resurrection of Christ. It reminds us, and hear me, church, of what he has already done for us. Baptism is like a theatrical illustration. 
It gives the person who has accepted Christ an opportunity to show everyone publicly what has taken place in his or her heart. We died to self. We are crucified with Christ. The old has gone. We've buried all the the stuff from our past with Christ. All things are new, and we are a new creation in Christ because we have been resurrected unto new life. Baptism is the declaration, I am born again and now am in relation with God ship with Christ forever. And I, I might just say this, this, um, this here right now because, because there's people here who maybe have been baptized in the past and it was absolutely your intention to serve Christ with all of your heart uh, the, the day you got baptized, when you came to Christ, and, and, um, or when you came to Christ and then when you got baptized. And, and you may be someone here this morning who was like, you know what, I made that decision five, ten years ago, and life happened, and I stopped maybe being in the right relationship that I should be in with Christ. I want to tell you something today. You're never too far gone. If, if you've tripped up since you've been baptized, man, you can come. You know, God pursues you. He chases you, and this is what you do to come back to Jesus. As you watch these baptisms, I want, I want the Holy Spirit, I ask the Holy Spirit to remind you to absolutely remind you of what it was like to be in that right relationship with him. Because here's the deal, this is what you have to do in order to get back right with God. You turn around, because he's right there chasing you. He's right there with his hand of love and mercy pulling you back into that relationship. It takes one decision, that's all it takes. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I've run. It doesn't matter. Because he's chasing you. He's pursuing you. I think it's interesting to note that in biblical times, it was very customary to baptize immediately after someone accepted Christ. As soon as they were saved, they dunked them. Let's get this thing done. And I think that speaks of something that happens in the significance or, or the symbolism. It's not just mere symbolism. There's something significant that happens too. It seals the deal, I like to say. There's something about declaring it publicly. I want to live for Jesus. That seals the deal. You know what I mean? That's the significance. Um, another question that's often asked is what is the formula of baptism? How do we do it? Well, the formula for baptism, it's, it's no mystery in Scripture. Jesus himself gave us the formula very clearly. Matthew 28, 18 through 19, he said, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority was given to Jesus. He could say this. And he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's that simple. We are to baptize into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's just that simple. Jesus' words told us exactly how to do it. And four, the fourth question, who is scripturally qualified for baptism? This too is easy to see in scripture. The sinner must first repent and believe. Acts 2.38 said, says this, Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what Peter said as he preached his first message. There were about 3,000 people that got saved that, and baptized that same day. But the prerequisite to baptism was to repent. 
To turn away is what that word means, to turn away from, in this case, sin, to turn away from your sin and repent and have a, a, a sorrowful heart towards the life that you used to live versus the life maybe that you've been, or that you're, you're going into now. You're going, to, you're going to walk in victory. Acts 8, 36 through 37 says, as they went along the road, this is Philip and the eunuch again, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So there's a repentance and there's a belief. That's what is the prerequisites for baptism. Repentance and belief. Only those who believe and repent are to be baptized. A common practice in churches has been to baptize babies into the church that they're a part of. And even though that can seem to be a special time for family and friends, there are no examples of baby baptisms in the Bible. Not one. We dedicate babies as was done in Scripture. They, they do, they, we see examples of that. But baptism is about a public confession of your belief, and that's, that's kind of hard for a baby to do. I have, a ba- I have a baptism candle from when I was an infant. I don't remember getting it. I don't remember making a personal decision to follow Jesus before getting it. I was sprinkled with water, not immersed. At least that's what I was told because I really don't remember it. And it was a decision my parents made at the time based off of traditions in the church that they attended. Scripturally, I don't believe that my infant baptism did anything for me at all. And I'm not trying to be offensive about it. I I, I don't believe it hurt me or anything. It's just important to understand that if we are going to be people who follow the Scripture, biblically sound doctrine, if we're going to follow the Bible, then we should look to Scripture and follow it. And to the best of our abilities today, that's what we're going to do. Those that have chosen to be baptized today have given their hearts to Christ. They are declaring publicly today that they have done this and that their intention is to live for him for the rest of their lives. And church, we are going to celebrate their changed life today. I mean, I'm telling you what, I've, you know, I, I made a comment earlier and I was going to apologize for it, but I'm not going to. Um, what are we, Iowans? I mean, let's face it, in the Midwest, in the North Midwest, we're a little, we're kind of like the, the, the frozen chosen, right? I mean, we sing songs like, um, the church of God is moving and we stand perfectly still. And then we sing songs like, I will, I will, I will not be moved. And those two songs conflict, obviously. <laughs> so we don't know what to do, so we just stand there. You know. But we've all, I've also seen how people act in Iowa at an Iowa Hawkeyes game. And they get pretty worked up and pretty excited about a pigskin being caught by somebody a few yards down the field. I mean, it, it, it erupts their whole being into ju- a jubilant praise. And I'm thinking, that's how the church ought to be, right? That's how we ought to be when we see a changed life because Jesus Christ has done what he said he's going to do. Amen. And so this morning, I, I, I'm not going to give you any wiggle room. If you sit there like a bump on a log, as someone gets baptized, I'm not going to be up here on the platform. I'm just going to come, I'm going to wander around. <laughs> and, you know, just maybe... <laughs> I mean, we ought to praise when people are changed, right? Yeah. So 
Absolutely. Come on. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.